Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 154 of the Red Rum Retrospective. I am your host, Jackson Mahirin. Along with me, he's just a little guy who lives inside my mouth. It's Carter Sims. All work and no play makes Carter a dull boy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's morning. It's a morning pod. Yes, sir. It is. It is early morning. Uh, we had some travel difficulties from Carter as he was oh. taking many trains and planes and couldn't get an Uber, so no automobiles. But uh, yeah, yes. we're happy to have you back and we're ready to to do this, I think, if if you're up to it. Yes. Uh, if Chicago O'Hare Airport is following and listening, um, burn. Burn to the ground because you're the worst. So oh, I, I finally got back at like 1030 <laughs> or 11 last night. I don't even remember, but we had to pivot, so it's Friday morning. So we're here, and I'm ready to shine with you, pal. Excellent. All right, but first, Carter, tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. Well, um, what was I into? Well, it's been it's been a week, and I was the uh, Jackson mentioned the traveling. I was on vacation with the fam, the whole extended fam. Nice. Uh, I was in Disney World with a bunch Classic. of lo- little kids. So. Good when stuff. aren't you in Disney World, honestly? Huh? When aren't you in Disney World? Well, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> last time I was there was exactly a year ago today uh, with like a friend of the pod, uh, Jake, and friend of the pod, Brian. We were there this shout time out. last year, so shout out to them. Uh, so that was fun. I got back last night, and so I didn't watch a ton. I rewatched The Shining on the plane home last mm-hmm, night, mm-hmm. which was great experience. Yeah, plane. it was one of those movies where like, I put the iPad up like on the little thing on the back of the seat. Yeah. And then I realized like when like the naked woman scene comes up that like there's I think there's kids behind me. So I like kind of had to turn the brightness down a little bit because <laughs> I don't want them to be like scarred. a curve. <laughs> yeah. And then people to think I was just watching porn on the plane. But I rewatched that. Um, I haven't shouted <laughs> this out yet. So I want to shout it out that I watched the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. On those Netflix. are on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Check those out. One of four, I think, shorts on there from, mm-hmm. from the old boy Wes Anderson. So I've, I've only All watched Benedict Cumberbatch or just a few of them? I don't know. The fir- the Henry Sugar one mm-hmm. was, I, I don't know about the other three, but they're okay. all based on Roald Dahl stories, which is That's fun. fun. So I haven't checked it out. I think this is the way that Wes Anderson's going to get his Oscar, maybe, which is kind of fun for a short film, which is kind of exciting i think that competition is fierce this year like oh so paid... these were all new these weren't like something he made like a while ago yeah just, okay. which is okay which is weird and, and kind of cool because i did not know that and it's weird because they think they all could have been like packaged as one movie but mm-hmm. they, he didn't so that's how he did it and netflix gave him the money to do it which is kind of cool. cool so so yeah these are these are short films that released exclusively on netflix and haven't been made before so oh, wow okay so these are like eligible for some oscars but yeah this, that's this cool first one is eligible i think it has to be like under 40 minutes or something like that and it's like 39 minutes so like Neat. nice job so <laughs> they knew what they were doing yeah so that was that was fun to watch i need to check out the other ones i know there's three others on netflix so check those out uh and that was kind of the only other thing i watched critters three uh <laughs> nice. on the plane to disney and I want to mention it here because I don't know if it'll get mentioned next week on our Leo episode, but uh, Critters 3 was quite something. Young Leo and boy, oh boy, it wants to be Gremlins so bad is all I can say. <laughs> and it's not. So there's that. And then the only other thing that I was 
just like kind of following this week was the SAG deal dying, which is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, because I know we talked about. We, we thought were, it was going to go through. Yeah. And we it were seemed like worse than the first time they negotiated. So that sucks. Yeah. So they're not budging on this AI thing. And they, I think they're asking for like 2% revenue from the producers. And they're like, nah. Did you see that, that clip it. from like the Disney prom thing? Yeah, or whatever the, it is, the prom pact. Yeah, God, so stupid, so disgusting. That's not what yep. we want, man. So, so that's what we're fighting against. Just <sighs> so everyone knows, go check that clip out and see what your movies could be if this deal. It's is horrifying. Good. I thought they were like mannequins at first, but uh, they are not mannequins. Oh, they it's are awful. disgusting AI. It's bad. abominations. So yeah, that was a bummer. And hopefully we can get back to the negotiating table soon. But I think it's going to be another. At least another month, I would say, which is yeah a bummer. So that's all I was really into. Oh, the trailer for The Curse was cool. Just wanted to, to yeah. mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to some more Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, Benny Safdie magic, which will be And fun. it's like Nathan Fielder where he's not doing his shtick. He's actually doing like a different thing, which is kind of exciting for, yeah. for Nathan Fielder fans. Like he's act like a, it's scripted, which is yeah. kind of cool. So, well, I mean, it, a lot of his stuff. Is, is but isn't is, yeah it's yeah. it's confusing but i'm excited for this uh different approach for him yes same same but that, yeah that's all i was kind of into what about you buddy sweet yeah i watched a couple things this week the first thing i watched was uh the organ trail o-r-g-a-n trail it was on whatever streaming service we were scrolling through and it was marketed as a western horror it actually came out this year oh and abby was like oh let's check that out and then she immediately fell asleep um and of course i stayed up and watched it and oh it was so boring uh the, <laughs> like, the name did not do it justice because what a what a great name uh but it yeah. sucked and i did not like it what is it, like <laughs> um, a, it sounds like a zombie pioneer movie or not it's not that at all it Dang. was like <laughs> this girl and her family get attacked by other cowboys and they oh. kill everybody else except for her and then she kind of just runs away for the whole film and it's uh. but it's not that interesting and uh, the cinematography is pretty good though I will give it that it has some nice shots of what I assume is like Montana or something it was pretty cool mm. but Os- Oscar story, I don't think so but the Cinematic. story was really bland I mean basically every review that I checked on Letterboxd was like oh yeah this looks great but it's so boring um, and I agree uh, then I checked out RRR finally oh uh, and that was a blast that was the quickest three hour movie experience I think I've ever had so fun. Uh, the story really worked for me. I was really confused. I ended up texting you guys because they they had multiple dubs this time around on Netflix. And so we had mm. it on like an English dub, which I normally wouldn't do. But because the original isn't even dubbed, it's it's the original is dubbed. So it's not even in the right language, like initially off the bat. So I was like, eh, I'll right. try it on, on that. And it was, it was a fun experience. I still read the subtitles more than I paid attention to the dubbing because neither of them lined up and the subtitles were way cooler phrasing than whenever they dubbed it in english (laughs) um then i checked out train to basan for the first time and that was really cool yeah that's Um, a fun one yeah that was was really really fun uh cool zombie movies i like zombie movies um and that one was a great like world war z-esque but like better uh in my opinion i like the fast zombie stuff i like when they're fast fast. zombies are freaky um so that was cool uh, then, of course, we watched The Shining in preparation for this episode. And mm-hmm. on top of that, uh, I watched Stephen King's The Shining, which is a <laughs> 1990-whatever uh, miniseries that yeah. Stephen King, like, I don't know if he directed it, but he wrote it to be, like, more 
faithful to the book. It's three episodes. It's on the internet archive if you ever want to watch it. So that's like a free way to check it out. That's how I watched it. And it was not very good. Um, yeah. And I I get – we'll get into the complaints of the differences between the book and the movie and this episode. But overall, I don't think it was like better to be truer to the book because a lot of the book stuff is kind of stupid. And I like Stephen King stuff. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll get into that later. But yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I only I remember I watched like the first episode of that three part series a long time ago, and I was like, I don't know, this ain't it for me. So it's so I, funny. I, I didn't even finish it. The main dude is just kind of like that guy. Like I don't even remember his name. But like, Tim you Daly. See him, yeah, and it's just like ah, oh, he looks familiar. Like it's that dude who's in stuff every now and then. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and the kid was kind of good. I I kind of like the kid actor, but his haircut was really stupid. Um, that's not uh, really anything about the story, but. <laughs> Half a star deduction. Yeah, half a star. Stupid haircut. Um, but yeah, uh, should we get into the main subject then, Carter? Let's do it, Jackson. All right. Moving on to I'm ready for my close-up. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Today, Ooh. as we've mentioned and hinted at, we are discussing The Shining. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named... Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom? Do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. I did. I killed you with Danny. You did this to me. Didn't you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Directed by Stanley Kubrick, all the way back from 1980. Uh, the logline is, a family heads into an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and present. I think a lot of other people see some stuff from past and present, but that's cool too. Uh, the cast includes Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, Danny Lloyd as Danny Torrance. Kind of cool how two of the names are the same names. Um, and then Scatman Crowthers as Dick Hollerin, which is a dope name. All time. Kind of funny. Um, yeah. The movie had a budget of $19 million and a worldwide box office of $47 million, which is... Mm pretty good i guess i don't know it's kind of low when you think of like the, the cult classic that it is i think everyone yeah i think it was one of, those, one of the best one of those that kind of gained traction i feel like it like flopped in america when it first came out i have some first. interesting stats about that later um, that oh we'll baby get into. um but carter when was the first time you remember watching the shining 
I think this is one of those that like I probably saw way too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always it was probably around the time when I saw Jaws for the first time, like when I was in my rebellious, like probably sixth grade where I was trying to like watch nice. stuff that I like wasn't allowed to watch yeah. type of deal. So it had been it'd been a long time since I since I probably had seen it the first time. And then I always kind of throw it on around this time in October because mm-hmm. it's just kind of one of the those ones where you're like, well, this is a classic and an immediate classic. And yeah. it's hard to explain why, but it's just the whole aura of it, which is mm-hmm. which is why I keep I always return to it. And every time I watch it, I find something new. It's like one of those movies where like Kubrick's like everything was intentional and mm-hmm. we'll get into that later. All like the wild yeah. th- theories and stuff. Oh, probably there's fun theories. Yeah. People have about this movie, but, uh, but yeah, I think that was probably the first time and hopefully I didn't make it the first time for the little kids on the plane watching it as well. <laughs> so what about you? Uh, yeah. The first time I saw this was probably in high school. Um, I've just now kind of been comfortable with horror movies. Thanks to Abby, who's been forcing me over the years to check some stuff out, mm-hmm. but this is like a good, entry point i think for horror movies and it's like one of the best so i think that's like a great uh a great combo i think it's yeah. super accessible uh to people who can't really handle scary movies because i don't think this is like scary i definitely yeah. think it's just like creepy like there's definitely it's not disturbing like stuff yeah yeah but but yeah i don't know it's like it's like one of those that like people try to dig into because like they might not be able to find the logic in it like it's kind of gets confusing at times and yeah if you try to sit there and extrapolate what it all means then maybe that'll distract you from the horror aspects of it so if you're mm-hmm. a thinker in a movie and want to go in then maybe watch it but yeah i don't i just find it creepy and disturbing not all there's like no jump scares really so mm-hmm. it's not like one of those but yeah you're not really I like maybe the twins is maybe considered a jump scare yeah maybe um God, those shots are so good. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, let's move on to Great Scott. Great Scott! Where I'm going to give us a little history of some of this stuff. There's a lot of uh, history with this movie. So I'm going to start sure. with, uh, you know, the day it was released. May 23rd, 1980. Uh, the same week as Empire Strikes Back. The Ooh. Gong Show movie, which I have no idea what that is. And, the Gong Show movie. And Kramer versus Kramer. Holy cow. Um, it grossed $622,000 on the four-day weekend on only 10 screens, which is crazy. Oh, that's that's really actually uh, crazy. It, it grossed a higher per screen average than Empire Strikes Back did that opening weekend, Damn. Um, which was, I think it was like $62,000 per screen versus like $51,000 for the Empire's 126 screens that it had, which is pretty Sheesh. interesting. Um yeah, obviously didn't, it did. Didn't, didn't they film on like the same lot too? I, I think they they, they it, Empire and Shining. They filmed on a lot in London that we'll talk about, and it delayed a bunch of movies. Um, gotcha. I don't think Star Wars was one of them, but I think an Indiana Jones got pushed back because of it. Gotcha. Um, but they might have filmed other stuff before that. I'm not entirely sure. Um, cool. other movies released in 1980. We got Friday the 13th, which I do plan on watching tonight on Friday the 13th. Nice. Uh, Airplane. The Blues Brothers, Flash Gordon, and Superman 2, 1980 Ooh. classics. Um, I want to talk about the book really quick and just get Please. this out of the way, I think. Have you read it? I've not read it. Um, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, and neither has Abby, and she's a big uh, Stephen King 
fan, but mm-hmm. just hasn't gotten around to this one. Okay. But Abby's mom reads it every year. Like it's like one of her favorites. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And we talked about it and she's like, yeah, the miniseries sucks and the movie's really good, but it's definitely different. Um, yeah. But yeah. So The Shining uh, was the Gothic Horde novel by Stephen King, first published in 1977. Um, it was one of the most popular and enduring horror stu- stories of all time. Um, mm-hmm. And it has a, a a book sequel as well called Dr. Sleep, which came out in 2013. And uh, Mike Flanagan made a movie about it in 2019, which I have not checked out. Have you seen Dr. Sleep? I have. Uh, I remember I need to watch it again because yeah. I watched it after I had just hit my head and busted it open at a Culver's, <laughs> which is another story. <laughs> okay. um, so I think that hindered my enjoyment of it. Uh, but a lot of people consider it like one of the a good like legacy sequel horror movies. Okay, cool. Um, and it was is cool. It, and is it like canon to the movie with Jack Nicholson, or is it just canon to the book, kind of like how the Watchmen series was? Canon to the movie because there's okay. there's imagery of like the Overlook and cool. Jack Nicholson's Jack Torrance and and things like that. So yeah, and it's you and McGregor as Danny Lloyd, which is or as Danny, which is which is mm-hmm. super cool, and Mike Flanagan horror king right now. So. All right, so I'm going to get into the major contention of mm. the like Stephen King, like Stanley Kubrick feuds that happened over the years. Yes. Um, starting with uh, the screenplay, uh, Kubrick wanted to use the novel as a starting point. Kind of ironic because like a lot of it's pretty different. Yeah. Um, he did not read Stephen King's screenplay <laughs> and he did not even want to collaborate with him on a new one. So Incredible. that kind of started the relationship off rocky great start um as a part of the tcm documentary titled a night at the movies the horrors of stephen king (laughs) king discussed a phone call between himself and kubrick in which the director told him that he thought ghost stories were fundamentally optimistic because they portray existence beyond the all-consuming barrier of death while stephen Mm -hmm. king asked him whether he thought hell was optimistic kubrick kubrick answered i don't believe in hell this was uh, symptomatic of the fundamental conflict between their artistic visions, interesting. Um, which I do think is pretty interesting. Uh, King believed in the traditional biblical demarcations of good and evil, where the role of evil is relegated to ghosts and demons. Kubrick had a much more pessimistic and nuanced idea of what he meant by horror. Their disagreement can be seen in their respective treatments of the character of Jack Torrance, who Jack Nicholson later played in the 1980 film. Uh, King believed that Torrance was inherently a good guy who was bent on the way, bent one way and then the other by various cosmic forces of evil. Kub- and then like Kubrick definitely didn't do that. He kind of just started him out as like a bad guy. He's um, immediately like pissed yeah. off at everybody. It's <laughs> he's awesome. immediately like the way they introduce him. He's like, uh, he's kind of like a sleazy guy, but he's kind of cool. And then you meet. Shelly Duvall in therapy and it's like oh no Jack is a terrible dude off the start like yeah we can't, he's a loser like he's yeah. a failed writer and he's like a failed school teacher and he like well so he's a fit I'll get into this too but the reason he's a failed school teacher in the book is because he beats up a student for slicing his tires up because he was an alcoholic and the alcoholism is like a way bigger part of the book I guess um which yeah. is kind of interesting okay um Oh, and this is this is a really funny quote uh, from Stephen King, just on the movie in general. He goes, I think The Shining is a beautiful film, and it looks terrific. And as I've said before, it's like a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside of it, in the sense that when it's opened, a lot of the reviews weren't very favorable, and I was one of those reviewers. <laughs> Damn. Um, he especially took concern with the portrayal of Wendy and viewed her as a misogynistic portrayal. 
quote, she's basically just there to scream and be stupid. And that's not the woman that I wrote about. And I love Shelley Duvall's performance, but I think that's fair. And I don't think that's any of Shelley Duvall's uh, fault. I think that's just kind of some of the writing. No, Um, I think that's also probably some of the, we'll probably get into that later, but some of the torment that was put upon her on the production. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll get, I'm Um, sure we'll get into that. And then I just wanted to quickly uh, gloss over the major differences between the movie and the book. Uh, We talked about the alcoholism um, and some of the character stuff. Um, But for example, the twins are an original concept in the movie. There are no twins that appear in the book. Um, There's also no hedge maze in the book. That is a complete uh, Kubrick thing because there were hedge animals that moved around and like kind of stalked people when you wouldn't look at them. But uh, the the effects just weren't there in 1980. And let me tell you, they weren't there in the 1990 remake either um, <laughs> because they did not look good. And so he he opted in for the hedge maids instead. And that was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, instead of an axe in the movie, uh, in the book, there's a croquet mallet that he goes and like hits people with instead. Interesting. Uh, which is kind of stupid. Not as cool. <laughs> um, and then all work and no play is not in the book as long as... Uh, alongside uh the here's johnny quote which is a uh, very very famous at this point mm-hmm. um also uh dick halloran is alive at the end of the movie and even shows up in the sequel book and oh. he like appears at danny's graduation in the mo- in the series which is kind of funny um <laughs> and then in the book jack kind of like sacrifices himself um like as he's possessed by ghosts it's kind of like a weird re- like redemption thing at the end of the book oh um, and he dies by a boiler exploding in the Overlook Hotel, and it like blows up the entire hotel. Oh, um, okay. And and like it's like a way bigger deal. Like they mention it in the movie, but like the boiler, like tending to the boiler, was like a main job in the movie. And whenever he got really possessed at the end, he forgot about the boiler, and so it exploded. And then it kind of <laughs> the show kind of ends with like them rebuilding the Overlook Hotel and then it's like oh no here we go again kind of kind of vibes um, which is kind of funny interesting well i yeah. definitely think all the changes that were made were good the ones that you listed i agree uh, i think i i can see the the complaints about the characterizations of jack and wendy yeah uh being fair but at the same time like the we'll we'll talk about it later but like everything that's iconic about the movie is not in the book unfortunately yeah for so King. Shout out Kubrick. Um, yeah. Let's move on to You Did It. Congratulations. You did it. Congratulations. Carter, what works in this movie? Uh, Quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, I just first want to mention, this is just something that you can't really control, but just in the in the moment. But the iconography of this movie is yeah, just Yeah, let's like, talk about it. That was that was right on my list, too. I think yeah. this is one of the most iconic movies. We, were, we had a discussion in the group chat because i was trying to figure out like what is like the most iconic thing about this movie and there's just so many things that you could contend to be like the most memorable we listed like we were talked in the group chat and lauren is always a good indicator of these things Mm -hmm. because she doesn't know a lot of things in this regard (laughs) yeah and we were like which is more iconic the the twin sisters or the blood coming out of the elevator and she Mm -hmm. was like honestly probably none of them but maybe the two little girls so (laughs) there was that and then people just started throwing in like Here's Johnny and all and all this stuff and then Red mm-hmm. Rum and like there's just yeah. so many and it's so cool because you look back at the Red Rum stuff and it's not even really a significant part of the movie like it just he writes it on the door and he says it and then that's it like so it's, it's like one a of those... warning like he's warning uh Wendy of like 
the yeah. and it's like his little voice guy Tony. Um, which in the book by the way they clarify that tony and they, they did this in the series tony is himself from the future like giving himself oh. little warnings which is weird and he appears like as a guy like he's like an actor in the series and not like him doing like this little thing with the finger it's very strange this device with the finger is just so great it's horrifying it's just a little uh, kid and the little like, voice of like he's not here mrs Lawrence. like yeah. so scary all that was a bad so impression great. but but um no that's great and then like you see all the memes of like the kubrick stare and yeah. like nicholson's frozen face like all this stuff is yeah. Iconic. The hedge maze, I think, is pretty iconic too. In its yeah. Own right. So all this stuff is is wonderful. So that's the first thing that stands out. Just it's aged totally. tremendously, and it's mm-hmm. just become a classic. Um, I think so. I also wrote down just this movie just does such a good job. There's these long tracking shots. There's these long takes of We're on just, the same page, man. Yeah, man. We we get the same things, man. Like you really get a s- sense of the space. And the geography of everything, like, you know mm-hmm. where everything is within this hotel. Like, that first scene where they're just, like, getting the tour of the hotel, mm-hmm. and it just, like, has all these, like, it's almost, it's kind of Wes Anderson-y back to him. Just, like, it's very just, it's just on a track, and it goes from right to left or left to right. And then, of course, you have the famous tricycle scenes of him just running down the hallway with so, yeah. thing. I definitely want to jump on this and just talk about the use of Steadicam because yeah. this is basically the fourth or fifth movie that the Steadicam was used on. Oh, cool. Like it was first used on uh, Bound for Glory, which I don't know, uh, Marathon Man, which I also don't know, um, nice, and nice Rocky, time. which I do know. And okay. that released in 1976. So just like four years before this movie came about. Um and so, like, they they developed, they had the guy who created the Steadicam, like, work on this movie. Bill Steady. Um, <laughs> I don't think that was his name. I definitely <laughs> have it somewhere on my notes, but I do not remember his name at all. And oh, I feel just, bad now. Justice for Steadicam guy. All good. Garrett Brown. That's his there name. There he is. Um, he, so, he was heavily involved with the production of The Shining. And he even developed, um, like, a two-handed technique for The Shining 2, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, but yeah. yeah, basically like the, the tricycle shots where it's like just panning from left to right. And like, mm-hmm. it's so smooth and they use it in like a lot of their stuff too. Not just like those shots, but those shots I think are so, so good and like truly scary. Cause it's just also like it combined the sound design of like the tricycle on the carpet. Now it's on the wood and it's like yeah. really loud. Now it's quiet. Now it's really loud and now it's quiet. And the way it turns the corners, like you, the the camera doesn't see what's around the corner yet after he's committed, and so we're kind of like trying to chase this boy and make sure he's okay. And oh man, those shots are some of my favorite in the whole movie. Like I just and love it's, it. It's like at the same time you're like you're the POV of like what could be these like presences in the hotel, and you're just mm-hmm. following them, following like, him. Yeah, it's, it's like a POV thing. So it's great. All that is amazing. I really enjoy that. And what you mentioned about the sound design, like they really know. I love a movie that knows, at least a scary movie that knows when and when not to put in a score. Yeah. And those moments of just silence. And then really it only ever pops off in in those instances when he sees the two girls down the hallway Mm -hmm. and it just pays off so well when the lack of score with the moments of score come in. So that's just another, and the score is great too. The burn, burn, like all that stuff is crazy. Like it's one of our sound clips we use. Let's talk. What do you want to talk about? Just those like strings and those Mm -hmm. like, like all of that is just, it's so good. It's great stuff. Um, 
I want to mention the themes, which I think are really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously this was a big uh Stephen King book for him because it like is basically based on like that his family was like annoying him all the time and he would get writer's block with them and he yeah. just took it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um so just like the themes of like obsession and, and isolation and your work and then taking it to the, the biggest extreme is just probably something that a lot of at least writers relate to or just a lot of people that work kind of in that creative field can relate to mm-hmm. but hopefully would never turn to killing it's so funny too like doing research for this because <laughs> he got the idea for the movie whenever he went to a hotel and like they stayed at room 217 which in the movie it's 237 but in uh-huh. the book it's 217 and he saw nuns leaving the hotel and he's <laughs> like this is a hotel with no god and it's like all right Stephen <laughs> king listen man and he was like and he was an alcoholic around this time too yeah. i think right so. and the alcohol i think maybe that's also why he's like super defensive of keeping that characterization in uh because that was something he was very close with when writing and that was something he knew very yeah. well probably his most personal um, book in that regard probably yeah like yeah. his yeah and so that's like obviously like a very close to home thing for him when writing about it because like he, he it's basically him in the movie if he became a killer um <laughs> and like worried about his alcoholism um but yeah, um, my last two are just kind of, well, I mentioned the Kubrick stare. I guess mm-hmm. I should mention Kubrick in general, because I feel yeah. like this is a lot of people's entry point to Kubrick, which is totally kind of kind of funny because like he doesn't do a horror movie again, but he, but he does should. have that he should have. But he does have these the way he films and things kind of kind of overlay and, and continue the Kubrick stare being one of them who are he always has these characters who are just like staring down the camera and have a mental breakdown, which happens quite often. But I would encourage people to check out all of Kubrick because it's definitely a guy who did comedies and did suspense and drama and like costume dramas and things. And he really runs the gauntlet. And then he does like weird sex orgy things. With yeah. Is Clockwork Orange like technically like a, it's not like a horror. Is it? It's like probably like a thriller. Yeah, thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know how you would, describe a clockwork orange um <laughs> i enjoy it it's one of those movies that i admire but i don't particularly enjoy as many people do yeah um it's just a weird one but it's definitely different so i would just that's how i would describe it i guess but yeah i just <laughs> the kubrick of it all is fascinating because i mean after this movie he doesn't make another movie for like seven years i think the next one's full metal jacket so it's pretty he definitely took his time on his projects which is which is cool which yeah this one's like late in his career too yeah which is pretty impressive. i think he passes away in like 99 or 2000 yeah um mm-hmm. right around eyes wide shut so so yeah definitely interesting definitely check out other kubrick and then finally i just want to mention here that wendy is so annoying and i think that's a pro for the movie <laughs> okay um, interesting i i think it gets us in the mind frame of Jack's character mm-hmm. a little bit more. And you, and then in the movie, you're like, well, I mean, I understand why he's pissed. <laughs> and I think it has that. I no, think has, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has that. Um, I think she's awesome. I think she's really wonderful. Despite all of the trauma that she went through, which mm-hmm. is really relevant. You can watch like there's behind the scenes documentary stuff about like, literally them like tormenting her and like oh yeah to try to get the performance yeah it's not good um, um but the way they dress great. her too is like 
she seems like irrational like the way she's dressed it's like very like hodgepodge of clothing which yeah. is like iconic now but like i think it's supposed to inform the character more of like this like traumatized abused woman yes. and trying to keep her family together like amidst all the the horrors and stuff um yeah, yeah. and also uh uh Stephen King really hated that she wasn't a blonde woman for some reason. Um I don't know why, but uh that was like a big point of contention for him too. Is was his wife blonde or something? Uh, probably, that... <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but anyway, I think um, Shelley Duvall is great in this movie. I oh yeah, she's, she's kind of the the weight of the whole movie. So I agree. I yeah. totally agree. Um I think one more thing I want to shout out, of course, is the hotel set. Like it is like its own character oh, yeah. in a way that most settings aren't. Um, and something that I thought was cool is like Kubrick intentionally sent like people out to hotels across the country and like stole like design ideas from other places, uh, to make it like cohesively make sense, but also be like super individual in each room. Like I constantly think of like, this is a movie with really well-designed bathrooms. Like each bathroom you go into, you're just like, man, this is a masterpiece that took like months to make probably. Um, and they like made all these sets. Cause they filmed it in re- like, like in order, which is crazy. Cause like, that's not a super Rarely efficient way that. to do anything. Yeah. Um, so all these sets, all these sets, like just existed for a year and it halted a bunch of movies. Like they didn't get made in time because like literally the entire soundstage, which this was all made on a soundstage, which is crazy. That too. Is crazy. Um, the only like shots that are actually on location are the exterior shots. Mm-hmm. That's in, like Oregon. I think um, I'll get into that in a little bit too, but uh yeah, I think that stuff's crazy. I think that's so fun. It's nice when your setting can pull off being its own character is, mm-hmm. is special. It has so much personality. Like like the theories. I watched a YouTube video about how like it's st- like this the shining is like a a mirror of like white colonialism on like Native American people. And like yeah. there's like all these little details that are either super intentional or like it just coincidentally like happens. But there's like so much lore and just like the stuff on the walls of the shining that people love to pick through and and theorize. And I think that's great. It's a testament of a just a cult classic or just a movie that stands the test of time because people mm-hmm. go in and find more things. And I think that was intentional. I think Kubrick, there was definitely some intentionality around let me just put this thing right here mm-hmm. and then like yeah. let's let me put this like Native American portrait as we talk about all the white presidents that have been to this hotel and like let's do <laughs> yeah. I don't know there's there's some cool stuff there that's um, intentional but yeah do you have anything else you want to shout out uh I just finally want to my last thing is just want to shout out I think this is the original walk and talk like sorry Sorkin but I think that they <laughs> they, they do, do it good too yeah it is nice like that a whole intro scene where they're discussing like everything about the hotel they're doing the tour it's just like Chekhov's gun are us like showing all the things that are going to come up later. Mm-hmm. Everything's intentional. Nothing is wasted. You see all the things that are going to come to play in the next like hour and 45 minutes. So that's all I got. I love it. Um, I want to shout out really quick just like how vague the ending is and like what people so get out of it. Like going back to the theories of just like yeah. showing the shot of Jack in the photo from like 1921 at the uh-huh. July 4th ball. Um. And it's like, what does this mean? I don't know. Has he been here the whole time? Is he reincarnated? That's what a lot of people seem to think is the reincarnation representing the cycle of violence between like like, like the head of the family is passing it down. I don't know. There's some weird stuff in there that I think is really cool. I love it. And I love the fact that we don't know. And he did that purposefully. It's yeah. uh, it's wonderful. He gets us talking about it. So Some places are like people. Some shine and some don't. You know? Hey-o. Hey-o. Do you have a favorite scene? Uh. There's a lot. 
but I already mentioned kind of the I didn't even mention like the intro of like the flyover of just the car is so so neat. It blows my mind every time because I'm like Abby. They had to get into a helicopter. They could not <laughs> fly a drone. Like this is like <laughs> there was a lot more effort that had to go into these shots back in yeah, the day. <laughs> it's crazy. So I was like, oh, just for the intro, that's neat. So yeah. and the the score over that is cool. I mm-hmm. like that. Um, I already mentioned kind of the the tour of the of the hotel and all of that. The first one I like is when Dick is describing The Shining uh, mm-hmm. to, That's great. to Danny, which is kind of the crux of the movie. Like, if you don't understand what the movie's about, just go rewatch that scene where he's having ice cream with Danny and just where he says what you just said. Some places are like people, some shine and some don't. That's really good. So, And it's cool, too, because like The Shining lore... Like it is like sprinkled throughout all of Stephen King's books, like every like not every single one, but like a lot of them are connected through this like really vague, like almost magic system that's like mm-hmm. like more horrific in nature than like a lot of magic systems in, in books. But I think it's so cool. You yeah. you got like telekinesis sometimes. You can like see into the future. It's you can good see stuff. into the past. You can like talk telepathically to people, which is kind of cool. Also in the series. Like the family knew that Danny shined and would like talk to him sometimes. Tell it was weird. Like, oh, interesting. So they, they were like they kind of knew. Too? They, well, I think everyone can shine in this movie. Yeah, just to different varying degrees. Whether or not I, it could just be the place allowing them to see the shine. I don't know. Um, they kind of get into that in, in Doctor Sleep too. Kind really? of more about like the hotel, like mm-hmm. why things happen and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. So. Again, I'd recommend Doctor Sleep. I need to go back and watch it. Um, I need to watch that too. Uh, then I like when, again, when the first time Jack's typing in there and Wendy comes in the first time and he's just immediately pissed. She's like, it looks like it's going to snow. He's like, what do you want me to do about it? You're like, <laughs> like, come on, man. And then she's like, well, I'll come back with a couple sandwiches for you. And just, She's so nice. She's so nice. She's so sweet. She, doesn't she deserves that. a spa day for yeah. sure. Uh, so then there's that. And then the first one that's kind of, that's not even, none of that's kind of like scary or anything yet. But then I just had to shout out the first come play with us mm-hmm. uh, when Danny rounds the corner and you see like the editing little flashes that happen throughout the movie where like you get just quick glimpses of like mm-hmm. their bloody bodies in the hallway. It's terrifying. And all that stuff is just so cool. It's just a great device. It happens a couple of times in the movie where you get like the flashes of like mm-hmm. Danny seeing either the past or what's about to happen and and all that is is really good. Um, I'll stop there if you have any that come after that that I or if I skipped over any. I can hop over um, to you. Yeah, I just want I was going to shout out the tricycle stuff because I do think that yeah. is that's also probably one of the most iconic stuff. Just him like driving around on that carpet. I feel like oh, that yeah. carpet is used in so many like uh, artistic posters for The Shining and stuff. It's in Toy Story um, too. Apparently, they have the same. Carpet. Is it really? Yeah, <laughs> People... that's awesome. Um, and also I, I wanted to shout out the shot where Jack Nicholson is looking over the model maze. Oh and, yeah. Like the camera pans up and then you see, uh, you see Wendy and Danny like walking inside of it where they like comped the shot, which in like the eighties is actually like pretty Hard cool. Yeah. Uh, like it's not as easy as it is now. Um, yeah, that, that shot is ooh, like rewatching it now. I was like, Oh wow. I did not expect to love and appreciate that moment so much as I, I did on this watch. Oh yeah. And then like, I think the next day I also just have the shout out that Thursday all day, Jack is just staring like that. <laughs> it just, it transitions from like whatever day it was Monday. And then it goes to Thursday 
and it's just him staring, doing the Kubrick stare. And then it's like <laughs> Saturday. You're like, oh, he did that all day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome transitions. Also, uh, I love, yeah. I love, and I wrote this in my review for Letterboxd. When mm-hmm. Jack is just throwing a ball against the wall, <laughs> just like, oh, like, and it's so, that's so fun. I wish it's, I was him in that moment. <laughs> it is also just one of those great movie concepts where you're like, man, I would love to, would I love to stay in a hotel by myself and just be able to roam free and do all that jazz? It's one of those great movie concepts. I don't, I don't know if I would do it. It's, I don't, when yeah, my I mean, clearly yeah, it turned out bad. So maybe we yeah. should. But throwing that tennis ball against that wall was uh man, it's all worth oh, it. It's great. Against a Native American mural, which people threw into that there thing. You go. Even though that was improvised. So I don't I don't know how intentional that stuff was. But uh yeah, Jack Nicholson improvised that, which I think is awesome. What a guy. Great stuff. Great uh, stuff. And then Danny go uh, Jack has the dream of uh murdering his family. Mm-hmm. I just like watching him like do the scream, the build up, and then Wendy immediately blames him for like strangling Danny because that's when Danny goes into room two three seven two, and uh, from there like everything like kind of kicks off from there because then one of my favorite scenes Jack walks into the ballroom and sits down with Lloyd and has a drink at the bar and he's like mm-hmm. he's like yeah how is everything he's like I'm having a little problem with the old sperm bank upstairs you're like Jesus Disgusting. Christ man <laughs> so gross. But that that scene that scene is great. It's really cool. Um, yeah. and then it like slowly starts to build up over the movie, which is cool. Um, and it like yeah, it leads to the into the fact of like no, like we know you, dude. Like you're cool. Like we love you here. Your money's no good here. Mm-hmm. It's like why? On and the then house. like yeah, and then like the party stuff is crazy too. And he goes into the bathroom and talks to the old guy who used Mr. to run Grady. the place. Oh. I had to correct her. That guy's so good. <laughs> um. All that is great. Got to shout out the uh, the woman in the bathroom. Got to shout out room two three seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hadn't remembered it being that gross when I it's rewatched gross. it. And the lady just like has all like the the scabs and the things all over her. That's and... disgusting. They did great stuff with that prosthetic work. I think that. And shout out to that lady who came on set and just did that. Laughed, walked around. And that was oh, it. <laughs> I do have a fun fact about that. I might as well just do it now. Um, oh, the actress who played the young woman and the actress who played the old woman, those are their only movie roles that they've ever had. Iconic. They're one and done in those. And I think that is iconic as hell. That is um, batting a thousand if I've ever heard. That's, <laughs> I agree. That's I think great. that's awesome. <laughs> that is great. Um, So shout out to all that. And then, so this is my, my favorite scene is all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> gonna hurt you stay away from me wendy stay away darling light of my life i'm not gonna hurt you you didn't let me finish my sentence i said i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your brains in. i'm gonna bash them right the fuck in <laughs> stay away from me don't hurt me i'm not gonna hurt you stay away from me Stop swinging the bat. Oh, it's so scary. It's so it's Nicholson so scary. It's just like on one in that scene. He's doing all these all these little things and he's like, "Oh, you think he needs to be taken to a doctor?" And you're like, he's just doing all these quirky things and he's really mm-hmm. cooking in that scene and yeah. just the slow like them walking, her walking backwards mm-hmm. to the stairs, just all of so that good. is just so good. 
and my favorite quotes in that scene. So we'll get there in a minute. But uh, yeah, I just love that scene. It's like when both of them are kind of at their peak in the movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just yeah. wanted to add that uh, Kubrick had his secretary for like months type up all the all work and no play stuff. And they weren't um, paid enough, probably. Yeah, because they were. That was crazy. That do you have a favorite like? I like the little triangle page where it like goes down like a little. Yeah, the the stuff looks nice. That would be, if I could have a movie prop, that would be a really fun movie prop to have. Just that would be awesome. Like that would be so cool. They they probably just like threw them away. I don't know, but that would be so sick just to get a copy of that. Um, man, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's my Um, that's my favorite scene. Do you do you ride for anything before or after that? Or do I was yeah I was just gonna uh, say the the stair scene is really good. The when, well, I guess really quick, the 237, I think there is like an interesting conversation of like, what does that mean? Like some people like said that like, it represented like, like Jack being like, a. there's like some theories that like Jack, like sexually abuses Danny. Mm. um, And like, for some reason that like room scene is supposed to like symbolize like Danny being like betrayed by his father in like a way that his father could like see himself being betrayed. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird but like that is like a theory that goes around um interesting yeah i just thought that was worth mentioning because that does seem to be like one of the the bigger theories i guess is that like a lot of it is like about abuse between father and son and stuff sure there's a lot in here that you could yeah that you could relate the <laughs> themes to it's which is why it's a good movie too mm-hmm. Back yeah to the, st- the scene after that reveal of like the windy darling love of my life like and he's just got this bat and he's or she has the she's bat, got the bat. She's he's like, give it. me the bat and he's yeah, doing like yeah. these weird things with his tongue he's like give yeah, me the bat he's, you're like, he's <laughs> doing some weird shit in that he's and cooking they, yeah you're that, like this guy's destined to be the joker like you watch that scene and you're like I get it I understand yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just like it sucks because it's like that's like one of the scenes that Shelly Duvall had to like be terrorized all the time for and it's just oh like, yeah oh. Yeah. And they did that scene like a bajillion times. I read that she, and again, a lot of these rumors around the set are like not supported by any evidence. It's just people theorizing and stuff. Mm -hmm. I read one thing. So I don't know if this is true that she had to drink water constantly because she was crying Crying so much all the time. She couldn't produce tears at one point. So she had to like constantly be hydrated, which is crazy. That's rough. Yeah. Man, the (laughs) eighties, you could do things. You, Boy, you could not do now. This movie, yeah, it's this movie would have gotten shut down if it was made today, also. So there's that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah. And then I guess this kind of leads into the Here's Johnny stuff, which is probably the other most iconic thing about this movie. And I think this is probably be. like the last great scene. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff. And I'll puff. And I'll blow your house in. Um <laughs> not that the rest isn't great too, but I think I think the hedge maze stuff is like not as good as this. Yeah, it's like it kind of ends on and maybe this After is this, a, I feel like this is like the finale scene almost and then like the rest is like epilogue kind of but not really I think like when Dick gets murdered is actually genuinely shocking when it yeah. happens because you don't know every time I watch it I'm like is he behind that pillar or is he behind that pillar and then he comes out and is like oh and then there's all that and then it's, it's just sad a bunch he did not deserve play. that no poor Dick Um, he again I should mention sick apartment 
Dick Halloran's apartment. Just mm-hmm. two naked women above his TV <laughs> his and above his headboard is just <laughs> iconic stuff. So good for him. <laughs> just chilling in Miami, I think, is where he is. So shout out to him. Um, I did want to also mention before the Here's Johnny, just the when he gets locked away in the freezer. And yeah, like, and he's like pleading. The camera upside down, like looking up at his face when he's like, go check it out. And all that stuff is really good, Mm -hmm. too. So, yeah. And yeah, I agree with you. I think like it feels like here's Johnny is the the conclusion and the climax. Mm -hmm. And then everything else kind of happens. And Wendy's just kind of running through, like seeing things and seeing ghosts. So everyone sees the stuff, which is cool. And she sees this. I think what is the scariest thing is the bear suit uh, hookup. Down the hall. <laughs> yep. The blowy. That's good stuff. It's, I think that is, and like the way it zooms, it reminds me of a Wes Anderson movie. Um, <laughs> the way they like crash zoom in on it. Uh, but like it's scary, like a scary version. I don't know. I thought that was creepy. Yeah. It's a little spooky. And I just love that. <laughs> like, I'm sure that's not in the book. And Cooper was like, let's throw this in. Oh, it's so freaky. <laughs> and it goes again to like this, this weird, like sexual violence thing that they talk about. Cause it's like this guy who's like, covered up and like ashamed maybe about mm. like the sexual act and it's like clearly like i don't know i think it's implied that it's like two guys and at the time like that was obviously more taboo and i don't know yeah. um scary scene though really freaky oh yeah but yeah i would go back to yeah my my favorite scene is just wendy darling light of my life i love mm-hmm. all that stuff great, great stuff. quote beautiful do you have, yeah do you have any, uh any other quotes you want to shout out white man's burden lord my man white man's burden and again that goes back to that theory i saw because that's about like the white man's burden is like this racist um this racist trope about having like oh the burden of civilized like giving civilization to all these like other people and it's like this really weird it has this weird like racist history but um super weird that he says it it's just like a dude being a dude in that (laughs) he really is those (laughs) scenes are so great too because he's like talking to nobody and he's again he's just cooking it's, yeah it's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> when wendy walks in and he's like danny was strangled by some crazy woman and he's like are you out of your fucking mind just <laughs> great stuff <laughs> uh, uh what about you you got a favorite quote uh yeah i mean the the classic here's johnny i think is maybe the most memorable from this movie the mm-hmm. the wendy darling love of my life scene is awesome uh and then like the come play with us come play with us danny is so good play with us Danny. Yeah. Um and also pretty iconic. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Do you have any bad things you want to talk about this movie? Uh treatment of Shelley Duvall needs to be mentioned totally, once more. Totally. Um that is a big issue and has been uh documented over the years and you can even go see footage of them behind the scenes, so check that out um the there's i don't know if there's like what do you feel about the scrolling credits at the beginning i always feel like this is the first thing i put the opening (laughs) crawl of blue text bothers me so much it is so weird um like and like the shining has crazy like a crazy poster that's really iconic yeah and there's like a face in the t that is like not in the movie at all but they just like threw in the poster (laughs) like that if that was like the title frame, that would have gone so hard. And yeah, I, I think the opening title crawl. I don't think the like. I think the like the helicopter shot is really cool. And the music oh yeah, is, that's great. But the text being like this baby blue, 
and then like the text is like like the font is pretty underwhelming and it's just like oh that's kind of disappointing uh i think that is like one of the weakest parts of the movie weirdly enough yeah like it's yeah i, I, I don't get it it's like just because they were cooking with that poster they should have just thrown that on should have like, that's crazy just pretty unceremonious which mm-hmm. is which is strange uh and then i just need to question um i mean jack's parenting should be in question for sure yeah totally. but when they're on the car ride and they're just like chatting about the Donner party. That's in the book, I think, because it is in the series as well. Oh, cool. Um, it's, it's it's brought up way uh lighter. Uh because like Danny in the in the series is like, Oh, the Donners had a party? What was that? And he's like, and then the dad just like, Oh yeah, you know, they had a crazy party, and like that was it. It's oh, kind of just like ha ha ha. Like the Jack but like I'm pretty like... sure Jack just like describes the horrors of the Donner Party in the in the Shining movie. He's like they were these early settlers in wagon covered times who resorted to cannibalism. He's yeah, like, what's yeah. cannibalism? <laughs> yeah, they really uh, lean into that. Um, no filter around the kid. No, it's 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 good <laughs> stuff. Um, what about you? You got anything? Um, obviously they say the N word a couple times. And yeah, that's, that's just, tough. That's just jarring in general. Every time I hear it in a movie. Yeah. Um, it's like back to back. They say it twice. Um, kind of weird. And then I want to shout out the worst thing. I, I don't know if it's, I, I think it's either the blue. I really hate the blue text, but I also think the shot of Jack frozen at the end of the movie is like home alone level of camp. Like it, it is kind of funny. Like Kevin just like froze him with like some like some snowballs and like that's like the shot we got of him trying to invade the house. That's very fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. I don't know. Yeah, I think I would go with the blue lettering. Um, but yeah, that's tough too. So the beginning and the end of the movies were a little, <laughs> were a little, little weird. A little weird on the middle's great. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, moving on to awards. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Uh, this movie, I was shocked, did not get any Oscar noms, which I think tough. is crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know why. That is, I guess, uh, just the history of not no love for horror, horror. movies at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, this was the year that the Razzies like, were invented. And, oh, fun. And uh, Shelley Duvall won a Razzie for Tough. worst actress and the, I guess this is like a, was like a smaller group whenever they made this uh the Razzies are and the Razzies are bullshit like anyways but yes um the group that started it they were all big fans of the book and they oh, were like they were, in the Stephen were... King camp and so oh, uh boy. Kubrick was also nominated for worst director but Shelley Duvall like won for worst actress and I think that sucks and the, That's the guy just the guy who gave it out the award like today was like yeah like we didn't know about the like horrors that she faced on set so we feel kind of bad about that and i would like i would i would take that back if i could but they were like fuck kubrick like he deserves that which i thought was kind of funny yeah rogers have a tough history of of that i remember i think like two years ago they had like a worst bruce willis direct-to-video movie category and then when his disease came out they're like we we're sorry we were saying yeah it's tough "Eh, well maybe if you're you didn't make money off it's of no squeaker. each other. Like our squeaker wards mm. are way better than the Razzies. Squeakers know? are with love. Razzies are yeah. with hate. We we love them. But yeah. yeah the, the well, the squeakers are also a little bit of hate because sometimes well, we just shit on like Kevin Spacey for being Kevin Spacey. Well, I think that's justified. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In, in, in some instances. So yeah. Uh, speaking of, who do you want to give your golden Odie to? I'm giving my golden Odie to furry blowjobs, Jackson. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Who among us, you know? 
that's just <laughs> whomst wonder, among us whomst among us <laughs> hasn't received a furry blowjob no i think um i think i'm gonna give my golden Odie. no i'll stick with that i'll stick to my guns furry blowjobs <laughs> i was gonna give mine to dick holleran for the nicest guy with the funniest name uh just did not deserve his fate and i think that's that sucks you know it's um it's one of those movies where i go in and i never remember if his character's name is scatman crothers or if the actor's name <laughs> if it's is scatman the other crothers way around until yeah. i watch it it's awesome so <laughs> they're yeah. both equally awesome names they're great. Uh, but yeah, yeah Dick and then uh my squeaker uh is going to kubrick for just being a jerk <laughs> that's yeah that's tough <laughs> for just being a meanie he is a meanie uh my squeaker is going to the doctor who doesn't do shit when Wendy tells her that he's an alcoholic. Um, yeah. Tough and look. talks about like dislocating. Uh, yeah. And Wendy's really yeah. nonchalant about it. And she's like, this is a class. And I feel like you'd be like, this is a classic case of domestic and alcohol abuse. I should call yeah. somebody. But no, they go to the hotel by themselves. So I'm sure I don't when know she's if mandatory news, reporting was a thing. Then That's so. true. If Kubrick <laughs> was on the set, it wasn't so. Definitely not. Um, Nobody sorry. was reporting shit on that no. set. <laughs> he said, she said. Yep, that's, um, what, that's what I got for my squeaker. Sweet. Um, Moving on to some trivia. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yes. Uh, I, I kind of want to break this down. Uh, this is the first little chapter of the trivia I'm calling the drama of Kubrick on set. Amazing. Um, so Nicholson and Duvall said that the film was one of the hardest of their careers. And Nicholson considers Duvall's performance one of the most difficult roles he's ever seen an actress take on. Mm-hmm. Shelley yes. Duvall suffered from nervous exhaustion throughout the film, and which would cause her to be physically ill, and she even lost some of her hair uh, through it, which is disgusting and horrible. Ridiculous. Um, she later reflected that he was probably pushing her to her limits to get the best out of her, and that she wouldn't trade the experience for anything, but it was not something she ever wished to repeat. Well, she doesn't um, like act anymore really after this. Yeah. She's in the Popeye movie, and then that's kind of really yeah. it for her. So. Um, which sucks. Um so Jack Nicholson suggested Scatman Crothers for the film, and Crothers had a tough time on this movie because Kubrick made him do over like a hundred takes for one scene. Boy. And like it really just crushed him. And so Cr- Crothers' next film was Bronco Billy would by Clint Clint Eastwood. And one take clip. Yeah, who was famous for doing the one takes. And so Crothers <laughs> broke down in tears of gratitude on his first scene in the film when he realized oh. he wouldn't have to do so many endless takes. That is crazy. I can't think of a greater juxtaposition than from going from Kubrick to Clint, who's just like, yeah, yeah let's get it done and let's go have lunch. Yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> this is uh, some Jack Torrance fun facts. Um, some people who are considered for the role include Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. Robin Williams, and Harrison Ford for Jack Torrance. Um, I think De Niro, obviously De Niro could have worked because he kind of did it with Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, but this was the year of Raging Bull, so that was probably a sliding doors moment, I would think. Um, yeah, I don't know about Robin Williams. Um, uh, I feel like that's too early to see yeah. Williams in that. Well, kinda... I think I think Kubrick referenced that Mork from Orc made him like weird uh, weirded out by it and was like actually maybe this isn't like a good role for you. Yeah, um I think fair. he would have been good in that role though. Um I think Harrison Ford is like maybe like the most compelling out of those three for me. Yeah, definitely uh that's like pre Raiders Ford so it's kind of before yeah. Cuz I Nicholson was definitely established at this point. Yeah, he already totally. won an Oscar so mm-hmm. 
for yeah. Cuckoo's Nest, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think that was like part of like this is something that I think King had an issue with and didn't want uh, um, Jack Nicholson just because people would have the preconceived notion that he's already this crazy, already crazy. guy, mm. and that is kind of what they lean into. I think uh, <laughs> off the bat a little bit, like he's a right. little little unhinged. Yeah. Um, for the scene in which Jack breaks down. Uh, the bathroom door the props department built a door that could easily be broken uh mm-hmm. however because jack nicholson worked as a volunteer fire marshal he tore it apart far too easily and the props <laughs> department had to make a stronger door uh for the scene oh, that's which awesome. i think is so funny um and then uh, uh as he lived in england stanley kubrick was not familiar at all with the Here's Johnny line from The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, which like I think aired in 1960-something back nice. in the day um, that Jack Nicholson improvised, and they almost didn't use it because he didn't get it. Because he was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, awesome. and like, your name this, is Jack. <laughs> and then this is kind of just a miscellaneous one that I'll throw in there. Uh, I talked about the miniseries that it was readapted to in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um and so Stephen King wanted to make this adaption that was close to his book, but Kubrick had the rights to make like television and movie stuff for The Shining. Uh, so he had to ask Kubrick to like give him the rights, and he made <laughs> he made Stephen King sign a contract that would make him like stop shitting on the movie in public, <laughs> um, which awesome. I think is awesome. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Um, I love that boss move. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so good. Um, moving on to the props and sets uh, segment of the trivia, we got uh, the snowy maze near the conclusion of the movie consisted of 900 tons of salt and crushed styrofoam. Jeez. I think that's kind of cool. Um, we talked about the the uh, Stanley Kubrick secretary spent weeks, if not months, typing dozens of the all works and no play make jack a dull boy scene i think that's pretty crazy amazing um oh and then here's that fact i was looking for earlier the exterior of the overlook hotel were all shot in timberland lodge in oregon oregon all of the interiors were shot on a soundstage in elstree studios london um yeah should we go stay at the hotel sometime is it still there um, I don't know if it's still there. They so mm-hmm. they had to change the reason that why they changed the room from 217 to 237 is because they had a room 217 at this uh, hotel in Oregon and they were like, we want people to stay here still. So can you like we change, change it to it. 237? I think that's a mistake. I feel like you could get way more people oh, I would trying s- to stay in room 217. I'd stay in there in a heartbeat. That would yeah. be amazing. I think people would be way more likely to to check that out. But um, but yeah. Um, and then here's just some more miscellaneous stuff. Um, the film was originally supposed to take 17 weeks to film, but it took 51 <laughs> because Jesus Christ, the film ran so long. The movie Reds and Raiders of the Lost Ark were delayed because they were waiting to shoot at the studios where they used all the stages for. So they couldn't film anything uh, while they were making that this crazy movie. a year um, production. Wow. Yeah. And this one's kind of getting at the uh, confusion because like Guinness Book of World Records claims that the the windy stair scene is like a hundred took 127 takes. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of the people on set say that it didn't take that long. It was like like 45 times, which is still a lot of times to do that scene. Like that's a lot of times when you think about how long that scene is and like mm-hmm. the blocking and setting up and stuff like that's a crazy amount of time. But like they dispute the Guinness Book of World Records claim that it's 127 times so i don't know who to believe there who's to say who's to say just 
you know, take it with a grain of salt. Ask Jack or um, Shelly. Yeah. We talked about the women in the bath. Uh, Leah Beldum being the young woman and Billy Gibson being the old woman. I think that's so iconic. Shout so out. good for them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I talked about Danny Torrance's imaginary friend, Tony. Uh, he doesn't have an explanation in the film. However, in the book, Tony's actually Danny's adult self speaking to him from the future. That's something. Um, that is something. Furthermore, in the book, Tony is a benevolent imaginary friend who acts as a sort of conscious as well as a sixth sense and companion for Danny since he doesn't have many friends at school. Um, Tony is also fully visible as Danny as a person. In the film, Tony is invisible and only a low-pitched voice. Um, but yeah, super weird. Interesting. Um, yeah, so weird, so weird. Um, moving on to the tests of Bechtel. Does it Ooh. pass the Bechtel test? I don't, well, unless you count, well, no, I guess the doctor, talking to the doctor doesn't count because they're talking about Jack. I would say no. I don't think, I don't think. The, also, no. the doctor doesn't have a name. I I don't nope. think so. No. So I would say a firm no. Mm-hmm. And then uh, going to the Rick Dalton mean test, do they say The Shining or do they like talk? Because I think the closest you're going to get is like the conversation between Dick and Danny. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, said... I don't think they say The Shining. I think they say Shine. Yeah, how long have you known you could shine? I think. Or yeah, so. I don't, so I don't think know they if they say it. Say it. I, I, I think it's no. Yeah, I think, it's, I think no. it's a no. It's a it's a no with an asterisk because I don't remember to be fair. So, um, yeah, good date Sweet. movie. I think so. I think this yeah. is a fantastic movie. If if you have a partner who loves horror stuff and maybe hasn't seen it or wants to get into horror stuff, I think this is the starting place. I think it's so good. Beautiful. I love good it. Good little October date night. Lauren, if you're listening, get ready. I think she'd like it. If I'm being real, like I, I do think, I think she could manage it. Do you think so? I think so. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it Ooh. happen. Moving I'll, on to, oh sorry, go on. I was just gonna say I'll report back. Awesome. Moving go. on to what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? Um, we got some letterbox reviews for you. Uh, I'll start us off. I just got two reviews today. Please. Um, this one's from Shaban. This is a four and a half star. It says, if Jack Torrance kills me with an axe, do not prosecute him. That is on me. He caught me slipping. Uh, I think that was great. Amazing. Um, nice, Siobhan. And then Olivia with five stars says, with the horror genre currently including antagonists and metaphors for STDs, the wealthy and unkillable murderers, it's good to see one that reminds us of the, reminds us of the greatest threat to us is isolation with our family. <laughs> <laughs> was that a watch in COVID? Probably she logged that in 2020. Probably. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I have uh I have three. Um I have I can't stop thinking about how Wendy runs exactly like the lady in the why are you running video? Uh <laughs> that's from Stephanie, four and a half that's stars. That's awesome. <laughs> why are you running? Um that's so good. Uh I have a half star one because I, I like what you did last time we did this and had a half star, so I just wanted nice. to voice this one. Uh Shelly Duvall didn't deserve to be traumatized for life just for 144 minutes of incoherent and pretentious spooky nonsense. Wow. I mean, that's a a half star from Brazilian cat boy on Letterboxd. Um, The first part I get is just looking out for uh, Shelly Duvall, you know, like I I understand. Yeah. But the incoherent and pretentious spooky nonsense, I, I, I I fight back on. I disagree with, but and my final one is this is a four and a half from Fran Hoffner. Mm-hmm. Uh, men will even get angry on vacation. I saw that one. That one's funny. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Great stuff. Great reviews. 
Um, wonderful. Should we go to the list then, Jackson? Let's do it. Um, where does this rank amongst our other top 100 RCR picks so far? This one seemed kind of easy to me, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think comparing it to our other horror movies on the list between American Psycho and Psycho, I do think this is better than both of those. I would uh, agree. Uh, so I think this is somewhere in our top five. I think so. So what do you think? Is it better than everything everywhere all at once in your brain? Probably. I think I would rewatch it more. I think it's more of a classic at this point. Um, and I, I love so. everything everywhere. I think it, yeah, I think it can maybe go above. Amazing. Um, above Dead Poets Society. Yeah, probably. And I love Dead Poets Society. I think this is like a five-star perfect movie. Um, Boy, I think, we're we going. All, have we given all of these five stars? The top five? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, What about Jurassic Park? Ooh. That's I where it gets a, a little... It gets tricky. I think there's a good argument. Um, I think so. I'm I'm okay. I wouldn't be mad if we moved it, but if you don't want to move it, we can keep it right where it is. Well, I guess. Well, let me ask you this. When we get to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, Mm -hmm. does that in your estimation, does it go above that? Or are we talking like, I prefer prefer eternal sunshine. I prefer eternal sunshine, but I think shining so iconic. It is. I think that mm, it's either two or three. Um, I'm fine with it either way. You be the final call because it's your pick for the movie this week. So you just you be the final and call, and I'm fine with it. So it's either above or below Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's either. Oh. Yeah, that's where we're at. That's tough. Flip a coin. Uh, I mean, I think There's maybe like, above Jurassic Park because I have a feeling we're gonna maybe rate Jaws more favorably than uh, Jurassic Park even. I, don't I think know. so. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think above dress or yeah, above Jurassic Park feels feels fair. Beautiful. Number two, The Shining. I love Let's it. Do it. Out of uh 28 movies so far. Do you so. like it better than Eternal Sunshine? Just out of curiosity. I think there's more to the things that I like about movies in Eternal Sunshine. I think yeah. there's more that I like to extrapolate there. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely more the optimistic versus the cynic. Yeah. Totally. there so i i would i would agree with you there i think that's cool. a perfect spot for it sweet okay i feel good then um Beautiful. let's move on to you feeling lucky you could ask yourself a question do i feel lucky well do you punk where i don't have a game per se but i just kind of wanted to like do an organized conversation with you Beautiful. Uh, about horror classic horror monsters uh we're gonna do a blind ranking of okay. which classic horror monsters have the best 21st century representation in movies. Okay. So I'm going to give you a monster. Uh-huh. You're going to talk about maybe which one, which movie you like best. And then you're going to rank it either one, two, three, four, or five without knowing the other uh, monsters coming up. So let's just start with ghosts. Okay. Oh, just in yeah. general. Oh, just okay. in general. Do you have like a favorite movie that features a ghost post 2000? Mm. Um post ghost a post 2000s <laughs> ghost. Um a posty ghosty if you will. A posty ghosty Casper? That's not after 2000. That's not after 2000. <laughs> I Man, that's tough. I would say perhaps Man, well, I'm trying to think of maybe it's The Shining, but those aren't really is that a those cop out? Go- that's not post 2000. 
Oh, you're right. God damn, this is hard. Um, I think this is <laughs> so you just got a... like like your paranormal activities. Like think about something like that. Like yeah. you got some of your. They're not as crazy as they used to be. They're not. I think that uh, says something about where horror is in our. I don't know in our mm-hmm. in our mind now. That's why I wanted to talk about it because I think there's like some interesting conversations. I think like slashers are more common like in the 2000s era yeah. um then i don't know uh, i'm gonna go i guess it's not a go that's more of a demon see i keep thinking of see i'm not there aren't like any good ghost movies that I'm, I, i'll just say paranormal activity for now because i think that's was the most inventive that we've had mm-hmm. in this century and obviously the found footage stuff became and blair witch is just the cusp that's 99 and that's not really a ghost either um so so yeah, for ghosts, I'm gonna I might come back to that one as I think more on it, but I'll I'll say paranormal activity, but like but where ghosts would you used put to be ghosts? way cooler. Like I would put one through five. ghosts. Let's put it firmly at let's put it at four because okay. I at least in the twenty in the twenty first century, because I'm thinking like poltergeist and ghostbusters and like the and like Amityville or like the eighties were where it was at. And I guess more so we lean into the demons now than yeah, like the conjuring and stuff is more like satanic stuff than yeah, uh, so. ghosts per se. Maybe it's a redefinition of them, perhaps. Um, which I don't hate either. Mm-hmm. Um, vampires. What do you think? Ooh, vampires. I I know a lot of people love what we do in the shadows. Um, mm-hmm. I love uh, what we do in the shadows, but that's one that I I haven't seen yet. I'm still trying. Oh, really? To wow. That. You'd love um, that. The show is also amazing. Um, both yeah, both are great. I'm trying to to catch up on that. And there's so many different iterations of vampires now. Like then you have your Twilight. Like vampires were hot in the mm-hmm. in the in the early late 2000s. Um, so I would probably say that. Hmm, what are some other vampire movies that I like? Haven't seen Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he is technically a living vampire. Yeah, that would I will. I liked the uh, the last voyage of the Demeter a little mm, bit that mm. came out this 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 year, um, but I wouldn't say that there's Dark Shadows, Hotel Transylvania. Um, those count as vampire reps for sure. Those are vampire reps. I'm gonna say, just put down. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna rank it. I think five. Um, five. Okay. Wow. On, on vampires. And I'm just going to go ahead and ride with twilight, uh, <laughs> just for the, uh, the different representation. Um, and may, oh, there's blade too. Mm. Mm. No, I'll ride with twilight because those are just, uh, those are just some weird movies. And I definitely, and definitely like have a place in our culture and weird in terms of how we define vampires. Now we're like, let's make them sexy. So <laughs> that was a fun moment. So, yeah. but I'm putting them um, at five. I want to shout out uh, A Girl Walks Alone at Night and Renfield as well. Those are some other vampire movies. Oh, yeah. That came Renfield out was fun. 21st century. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to our next critter. We got werewolves. Well, werewolves, man. I like werewolves. Okay. Um, I'm not going to put Twilight again, though. But, but like, again, it, wh- what 21st century rep do werewolves even have? I don't I don't know. Like, I'm, now I'm just looking up werewolf movies because there's a lot of werewolf movies that I love. Like, I like there's. An American Werewolf in London is like a yeah. really cool one. Um, the Wolfman. I know Benicio del Toro was in a remake of The Wolfman in like 2010. Jack Nicholson is in a wolf, a werewolf. Yeah, movie. in like the 90s. Yeah, yeah. It's like Silver um, Bullet or something. 
or maybe uh, that's something else. It's called Wolf. <laughs> wolf. Okay, Silver Bullet is a Stephen King adapted Wolfman movie that sucked. I think <laughs> that sucked. Bummer. Uh, yeah, I can't even really think of any werewolf movies in like the 20th century. So maybe that should have been five. I'll put it at four then, I guess, because yeah, I can't really think of any. But there's a bunch of there's a bunch of great ones, and this I guess this is all leading to your point that they just don't make them like they used to. There's just mm-hmm. not a bunch out there. So, yeah. Moving on to the next horror monsters, we got zombies. Now, zombies, I'll put a. I'm just gonna go ahead and be safe and put it one because we have had some great zombie movies. Yeah, we have in the 21st century. You mentioned one, Train to Busan, mm-hmm. uh, World War Z. Mm-hmm. All these movies are great, and I think they've. I think zombie movies have only evolved. I mm-hmm. think that like when you think of zombie movies, you probably think of like Night of the Living Dead was the first to like really like nail it. But then you have like one of my favorites is 28 weeks later or 28 days later, um, which is the Killian Murphy, Danny Boyle movie. And it's just wonderful. I think that's, is that early two thousands? I don't know. I know there's, there's a, what's that? Like, uh, I'm trying to think that the Elijah Wood comedy where it's like, there's like children who are zombies, like like school. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. And then like, I feel like zombie TV was like really big. I mean, like even this year we had like the last of us, but like the walking dead, like was like Mm -hmm. one of the biggest pop culture moments. I feel like they have like three, two spinoffs now coming out too. Still. Yeah. Still making stuff. And then you like on the other side, like zombies are like in campy comedies too. Like then you have your evil dead movies, which I would consider those. I would. And yeah, Shaun of the dead, like, Zombies definitely have zombie like, land. We've been making. Oh, yeah. Like we've been making zombie movies since like the 30s and we've only gotten better at it, I think. So I agree. I, I definitely feel like the 21st century is like maybe kind of the best era for this uh, monster. Yeah. And it definitely had a more profound. I think probably post COVID we've thought about it a little more. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. And it is definitely a, a little more strange in that apocalypse. That's so true. I think yeah, I definitely think there's more to the genre now for mm-hmm. zombie movies than there has been in the past couple of years. Like I think maybe we'll we'll get even more thoughtful and inventive stuff going forward. I think so. And then you have like, do you ever see Warm Bodies? Had that like rom com zombie? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that with the the Renfield guy, right? Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you have like your Army of the Dead. Then you have your mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's. So, <laughs> so which is that. like fun on paper, but not super cool. But. That, yeah. that was such a weird lore expansion too because you had like zombie kings and like zombie tigers and it was just so weird <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah so yeah zombies probably are at the top and i'm gonna be feel good about my number two i think here all right your number two is any guesses um what's left just demons or demons no. uh, we got okay. frankenstein's monster oh <laughs> well we're getting kind of a Frankenstein is interesting because you go back and watch Frankenstein. I think those still hold up. I think the Frankenstein movies hold up. Bride of Frankenstein is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like, um, I mean, now you get like Frankenstein, but like different iterations. Like you'll get Guillermo del Toro making a Frankenstein movie, God, which I'm is happening. So, I'm so excited for that movie. I think yeah, ooh, that's like the main reason I put this on there because I wanted to talk about this. I yeah. The cast is amazing, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um just like but like del toro who like really loves dabbling in like religious themes pulling from like 
like I think he's gonna do some cool stuff about like Judaism and like the legend of the Golem, which is what Frankenstein was based on. And like I don't know, I think there's gonna be some really cool stuff there. Yeah, um, that I'm really excited for. I feel like personally, there's not a ton of like Frankenstein stuff like in the newer age. Like you have like I Frankenstein, which is like a shitty movie. Yeah, um, you're Frankenweenie, and you're Frankenweenie, which I think is like a really endearing like child reimagination. Um, yeah, it was really great. And then you have like um. And then you have like poor things, which is essentially a Frankenstein kind of kind of vibe. So I think you can have more fun with that. And then there have been a, a lot of fun, like Young Frankenstein's one of my faves. So there's a bunch there, but I feel good about putting that at two because I think right, we're sweet. just on the cusp of like turning that into a narrative of like what can people be and how are we created and how are we made and things like that. Um, I also want to revisit the ghost one because I feel like I didn't give it some justice, but I'm going to put Coco as my top ghost movie. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's kind of like a skeleton thing, right? Like, do you have a favorite skeleton? Skeleton pirates of the Caribbean. Probably. probably Dude, I had to leave the the theater skeletons. It scared me so much. Those are pretty cool and stuff. I think my favorite, like recent skeleton thing is in over the garden wall where like Mm -hmm. these two characters, they visit like this ghost town called Pottsfield, which is like a potter's field which is like a graveyard town mm-hmm. um and there are these skeletons at this harvest festival that wear pumpkins on their heads and like they they dress up like they just wear pumpkins and you don't realize that they're skeletons for most of it and it's pretty cool that's great. I like that stuff um so yeah i'll stand by that and i like if i'm comparing ghosts and demons which are i don't know they could be similar then i would put like the conjuring movies up there which yeah, are totally which are solid and yeah like witches are witches making a comeback I guess we had like the Suspiria remake and well, it's the, uh, it's the 30th anniversary of Hocus Pocus this year. And Hocus it's Pocus. Yeah. Hocus Pocus released in theaters. Um, I don't know. Remember twitches. That's just one. I thought I of. remember Twitches. Um, how can you forget twitches too? twitches too. I mean, Twin the Halloween town witches. stuff is like, those are witches too. You know? Yeah. I feel like witches like, I think uh, well, I'm only thinking of the, but things those, that, are those like, like 2000 though? Halloween town might be like, like the end of the 90s same with twitches maybe i actually don't know yeah i don't know but i've watched a movie earlier this year called i married a witch from the 40s and that was just wonderful so <laughs> witches have had a witches have been around and we'll get the wicked movies coming up and uh true true and uh next year i don't know if you'd count i guess ursula is a sea Thank witch you. so you got little mermaid there you know i don't know <laughs> oh is she technically a sea witch i never are there witches in hereditary obviously the witch is probably the best witch movie mm. of the 21st century but I think they... hereditary falls under ghost probably well then like i'm gonna put hereditary as the i keep changing my ghost answer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the vampires and werewolves one i'm still a little lost on and they deserve their spot at the bottom i would say but yeah they're kind of i feel like vampires are definitely stronger than like the werewolves right now there's like not a lot of good werewolf movies and maybe that needs to change i'm down let's, for that. let's make one let's make our werewolf movie but yeah i i wrote down some some uh there was one movie called Ginger Snap that apparently is like a decently liked modern werewolf movie. I'd never heard of it, but okay, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Are there any other critters that you're like, man, I haven't seen that in a while? I'm trying to think. Uh, mummies. They had that really shitty mummy reboot that didn't yes, go anywhere. They did. Poor Tom Cruise. Um, the Dooku. Dead in the water. <laughs> the Dooku. Took me a second to realize what you were talking about. <laughs> the Dark Universe uh, Cinematic Universe, man. <laughs> Come on. Uh, oh, the Invisible Man, I think, had a good return uh, with that 2000-whatever yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. The Elizabeth that was really fun. That yeah, was that good. was really good. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any other zombies at the big one. And yeah, I think they're definitely 
There's still we a lot the more zombie to go. movies. They're we fun. Love the I think, zombies. I think every guy, okay. I think the Rome bullshit, like nobody thinks about Rome. I think most guys do think about zombie apocalypse stuff, though. I think that uh, has to definitely. Be like, yeah. what would you do? What's your plan? Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. My plan is to find Ryan, wherever he is. <laughs> he That's would save us all. Our friend Ryan, he would save us yeah. all. So <laughs> shout out to him. Beautiful. Shout out. Awesome. Well, I think that's everything then. Amazing. Um, I'll just do a quick movie update, fantasy movie update, and then we can get out of here. Um, Let's do it. All we got really this week, Jeff in first, David in second, Carter in third, but Brian hopped up into fourth past Jackson and Cody. Boom. Um, Taylor Swift is here this weekend. and Man, it's going to be crazy. And by here, I mean not in my apartment, but like her <laughs> movie's out. Around. So she's, oh, she's around. So. It's uh, it's probably going to make a lot of money this weekend, make some box office moves. So I imagine Brian will be in third place come next update. So there's that. Hurts. Um, it hurts. It hurts. So there's that. That's kind of all that's going on. Then Cody is in fifth, Jackson in sixth right now, Matt in seventh, and Corbin in eighth. The Exorcist did poor. So that Oops. is a bummer. So yeah, no head-to-head this weekend. It's the Eras Tour, and we're all living in it. And Killers of the Flower Moon's coming soon, and I'm really excited for that. Woohoo! So that's coming, and in honor of that, next week, we'll have our good friend Corbino. Corbin's a vocal from Cap Pod is coming, and he's going to talk. We're going to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio, do a little top mm-hmm. five, and mm-hmm. talk about the man. It's his favorite actor, so I'm excited to get him in here for that. So, beautiful. Sweet. Jackson, where can the people follow us on Instagram and TikTok? Yeah, you guys can follow us at roughcut underscore pod at both places. Uh, please do that. We are making some good stuff over uh, both of those places. So, yeah, Indeed. check us out. And if you're listening on, on Film Yap, go follow us uh, on Spotify as well. Shout out to Film Yap over there. Mm-hmm. Shout go out. Follow us, on, follow us on Twitter slash X at roughcut underscore co, where we post all the podcasts as well. And yeah, go comment on our TikTok posts. So we got some fun comments from our letterbox posts the other day. So mm-hmm. We'll be doing another one of those soon, which we're excited for. So keep liking, subscribing, commenting, all that fun jazz, sharing. It's fun time. So amazing. We'll see you next week for some Leo talk. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.